Good evening. Praise the Lord. God bless all of you. Amen. It's good to be here tonight. Thank you all of you for making the right decision and being here tonight. Amen. It is the right choice to enter into the presence of God to see what He has in store for us tonight. Amen. Let's all stand. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer for a few things tonight. Uh, let's continue to remember Kirsten. Uh, she was here a few weeks ago. She is continuing. Uh, my understanding is she's continuing to deteriorate. She desperately needs a miracle. Uh, she needs a miracle of healing, and she definitely needs a miracle of salvation, as do all of us. Amen. Uh, let's. Uh, Wendy, uh, some of you met her uh, this Sunday. She's she wanted to be here tonight, but. Uh, she's, she believes she has the flu and she's got a few pains and so, uh, she made the decision to stay home and uh, so we, we want to pray for her tonight. Uh, she's really excited and, uh, she wants to be here. Amen. Also, uh, you guys remember Ethan, uh, he texted me yesterday and, uh, he's, he's suffering from a double hernia and, uh. That poor young man. And uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's looking at some surgery, so he's, he's requesting prayer as well. Amen. Uh, he'd rather God took care of that. <laughs> Amen. So let's remember these. Let's remember our service tonight, that God would have his perfect way here with each of us this evening. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for the covenant promises that you have given us concerning prayer concerning the, the meeting of our needs. These are legitimate needs. These are legitimate concerns that we're bringing before you tonight. Things that we cannot take care of. Things that we have no power over. But you, O oh Lord, have all power and have all authority. Nothing is too difficult for you. And so we turn to you, the Lord our God, to take care of these requests, these petitions for us tonight. We pray for Kirsten. We pray for Wendy. We pray for Ethan. These various needs of healing. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would heal to the uttermost, that You would heal mightily and wondrously and miraculously, as only You can do. Demonstrate once again, Lord Jesus, that You still intervene in the affairs of men. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we'll give You the glory and we'll give You the honor for it. I also pray for salvation. Salvation for Kirsten. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would reach down into her room that you would get a hold of her heart as well as her body and heal both. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. And for our service tonight, that you would minister here wondrously, gloriously, that revelation of truth would go forth tonight, that we would receive it as the people of God, in verity and in truth. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray above all else that your name would be glorified here this evening. And Lord Jesus, because you are worthy, we worship you. And we praise You. And we laud and we magnify You tonight. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God because that You are worthy of all worship. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy to receive all glory. Worthy to receive all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are an awesome God. A glorious Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is You that sits upon the throne and You only. We worship and we praise You tonight. We worship and we praise the Lord our God tonight. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. I will never take you for granted. I will never esteem this lightly. The opportunity you've given me to enter into your presence at any time and at any place. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so very much. You can be seated. Before we get into our service, uh, we got a card from one of our uh, our missionary families, brother and sister Tolstead. Uh, they say this. It was addressed to Sister Rudy, but uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna take all of the credit. Amen. Just wanted to thank you and the Lacrosse Church for all the lovely cards you sent, Brother Tolstead and myself, during this t- this time. Your prayers and encouragement meant so much to us, and we are grateful. May God continue to bless and keep you, your family, and the church. We appreciate you all. Love and prayers, Reverend Phil and Sister uh, Tolstead, <laughs> Uganda. Amen. That's you guys, folks. We're supporting them. You guys make that possible. I really, I really get excited when uh, we hear from a missionary, we hear from a missionary family, what they're doing, what they're experiencing. And I get even more excited when I think that, you know, we're a part of that. We're a part of that ministry. We're not called to go to Uganda. They were called. But through us, God was able to send them. Amen. He used you. He's used other people to provide for the needs of that family so that they can go over and minister. And, I mean, again, it takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. The souls that are saved there, the souls that are saved all around the world for missionaries that are being supported by this church, You guys have a part in that. That's an awesome thing to think about. Amen. God bless you for your continued faithfulness and your sacrificial giving. Praise God. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verses 5 through 13 is where our scripture text will be tonight. I do apologize up front. I promised you some Nephilim and I promised you some Noah's flood stuff. Uh, I felt led to go in a little bit different direction tonight, but I promise you just as soon as possible we're going to pick that up. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5-13 through 13 says this, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and an uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart, 
to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any rise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Amen. The importance of understanding is what we'll be talking about tonight. The importance of understanding. Now, as you know, we're in the middle of a lesson on Genesis 1-11. through 11, And it, it's in my heart, I believe, from the Lord, to try to give us some tools, to try to uh, give us a little bit of understanding as to where our culture is today and where people are coming from today. You know, back in the day, uh, this was a Christian nation, more or less. You know what I mean by that. Most people went to church. Most people were raised in some kind of a denominal congregation. They went to Sunday school. They were confirmed, went to catechism, whatever it might have been. They had some kind of biblical foundation upon which we could build truth on. That's not true anymore today. The vast majority of people today have never set foot inside of a church. The vast majority of people today, the only religion they ever get is the late night talk shows. Howard Stern on, on XM. That's all they get, folks. What do you think they're getting? Not very much truth. And so, we need to understand something. Whereas, in days past, the emphasis was on doctrinal issues. How can we explain one God versus Trinity? And that was, that was a big deal back in the day because that's what people needed to know. They already understood that the Bible is true. They already understood that, that there is a God. And the general consensus was still that He created everything. And upon that foundation, we were able to build other biblical truths. Baptism in Jesus' name versus sprinkling. Infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidence speaking with other tongues. These kinds of things were what preachers focused on. And rightly so. That was the need of the day. It's still necessary to be able to do that. But we can't start there anymore. We can't start there anymore because there's no foundation to build that on. And that's why 
I'm trying to give us some different tools. I'm trying to give us some different, uh, I don't like the word strategies, but um, different methods, however you want to say it, of reaching people that are an entirely different culture than we had 50 years ago. The culture is night and day different from what it was before. And the same strategies, the same teachings that we used 50 years ago, just by and large, folks, they just don't apply anymore. Not when it comes to evangelism. Not when it comes to witnessing. Not when it comes to to discipling someone from the world into church. It just doesn't apply anymore. The foundation is gone. It's gone. I will be the first to admit that I've not done the best job in explaining this stuff. And the reason for that is simple to explain. I've been studying this stuff out for decades. Literally, decades. I went from the very foundation to wherever I am today. And it's sometimes difficult for someone to remember that those foundational issues are very important to build on. If I were to walk on to a job site and apply for a job as a carpenter, now I'm a decent drywaller, I have no experience in carpentry. I've held a hammer, I've pounded a few nails, uh, I've sawn a few sticks, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know how to read blueprints. That's, that's a deficit right there. Uh, so I don't know what goes where. I have put a wall up, that was a long time ago, a wall, and uh, so... I'm basically starting at ground floor here. And so when someone comes on and, and tries to show me how to do stuff that's been doing this for 30, 40 years, he's going to be assuming I know some things. And it's no, it's no fault of his. He's just been doing it for so long, it's just second nature. They assume everything. Everyone knows that stuff. And so I'm going to do a better job of explaining these foundational issues. But, and the reason I'm bringing this up is this. I've received some feedback, not just from one person, but from multiple people, that I am preaching over people's heads. That people aren't understanding this. Okay. And when I first started receiving this, uh, this feedback, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and so I've been praying about it, trying to... Um, figure out how can, I, how can I explain this. And the Lord dealt with me, but in a manner I wasn't expecting. The people of God are not stupid. They're not. And quite frankly, if I may speak freely tonight, I get very sick and tired of hearing the people of God telling me that. I've heard it my whole life. It's like people are proud of, of being ignorant. And I don't understand that. Oh, well, 
I'm just a plain old average guy. I just, I, I don't understand all that mumbo-jumbo stuff. I, I just, I just, that's just not me. I just don't get that. Nah, it's, nah, I, I'm just, I'm just plain average Joe. I, you know, I just, I just farm. I just, I just work at the construction site. I just, I just this, I just that. I'm just this and that, so you can't expect me to move beyond where I'm at right now. And this is what God has been telling me. I was prepared to give a very heartfelt apology and start from scratch here. But uh, that's not going to happen to the extent I thought. The people of God are not stupid. God doesn't create ignorance. God doesn't create people that are not going to be able or are not capable of understanding what He wants us to understand. He's not. Now, having said that, I understand that there are different levels of intelligence, okay? We all understand that. We got the hyper-geniuses out there uh, who have never struggled with anything in their life, and we got people... uh, Individuals born with Down syndrome and other uh, conditions like that who struggle sometimes with basic things. But the same truth remains. We can understand everything God wants us to understand. We can understand anything that we need to understand to accomplish the will of God. For most of us, I would say for everyone in this room, If we're not learning something, it's on purpose. It's on purpose, folks. We need to apply ourselves to learning. Now, why am I teaching this stuff? Why am I teaching this creation-evolution stuff? Why am I presenting all of these facts and figures? Is it so that I can sound smart? Well, let me, like Paul said, let me speak as a fool for a moment. If I really wanted to sound smart, I wouldn't start with this foundational stuff. The stuff that I'm looking at, the stuff that I'm reading, is way more advanced than this. If my purpose was to just get up here and spew a bunch of technical-sounding jargon, I could do that. And you would be very impressed. But you wouldn't learn anything. I promise you folks, that's not why I'm up here. And again, to speak freely, I couldn't care less how smart you think I am. I really don't. I am as smart as God created me. No smarter, no dumber. And so are you. If I am smart, It's because God created me that way. And I have no place to boast. I have no place to be proud. I thank God for the gift He's given me. And I expect you're equally thankful for the gifts He's given you. That's not why I'm doing this. Everything that I preach, everything that I teach... I say this, the Holy Ghost is my witness. I do my level best to make sure I'm standing before God 
and that I'm receiving from Him what He wants to say. Now, I don't claim to be perfection. I don't claim that it's coming out perfectly. Sometimes I, I miss it. I'm human. But it's not, by, it's not on purpose. I'm doing my very best to make sure this is what God wants me to say. I am very interested in, in this stuff. So I've got to be doubly sure now that it's from God because I just like talking about this stuff. It fascinates me. It interests me. And when it, it's something that I enjoy, now I've got to be really sure that it's from God and it's not just something I want to talk about right now. I have no business talking about what I want to talk about. None at all. So if that's true, I'm teaching this stuff because I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me it's important for us to get this stuff. And if that's true, and it is a little bit difficult, and I'll grant you that, everything is not easy. But if it is a little difficult, then we need to apply ourselves all the more to pick up whatever God's trying to tell us. I promise you, folks, there's a good reason that this is being presented to this church. We're trying to reach a city. We're trying to reach unsaved loved ones, those at work. And the old methods aren't going to work anymore. They'll work later in a discipleship process. They still need to know that stuff. Absolutely. They still need to know God is one. They still need to know the plan of salvation. But we need something to build that on, folks. And if God wants us to know these things, He's going to give us the ability to learn them. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read it in the NASB version. It says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. So when we apply ourselves to know the Word of God in general, just in general, we're going to have a complete understanding of the revelation of God in Christ. We can't receive that any other way. We're going to come to the understanding that we can't really know anything else apart from our understanding of Jesus Christ. And let me give you just a really easy example for that. I've used it before. Morality. What's right? What's wrong? Well, as a biblical Christian, I have a definition of right and wrong that comes from God. As a secular humanist, they have a definition of right and wrong that comes from where? They'll give you an answer. Well, we determine right and wrong by a majority vote. Whatever will help the most people. Whatever 
helps the most people attain to the most good. Well, that sounds really good, doesn't it? That sounds like a fair answer. But now I've got to ask, who had the authority to make that decision? That's a, that's a moral judgment right there. Who made that decision? And why should I follow it? Why do I care about majority rule? Who gave the majority the authority to make that choice? You see what I'm getting at? They have no basis for it. We can't understand, we can't know right from wrong apart from our knowledge of Jesus Christ. They think they have an answer, but when you press them, they don't. They don't have an answer. Because there's no answer to give. There's not. And that applies to literally every topic of knowledge that there is. It ultimately goes back to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've said this before. Without God, it leads to absolute absurdity. There is, there is no way to know anything. Not, not solidly. Not definitively. Without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, without Him existing, people talk about justices and injustices. How could God be so unjust? How could God be so murderous and, and jealous and petty and all of this stuff, Old Testament? Well, if God doesn't exist, there is no such thing as justice. There's no such thing as injustice. Things just are. So there's no knowledge apart from Him. When we apply ourselves to know the Word of God, we will be capable of recognizing and resisting false teachings. When someone comes to you and says, science has proven the Bible false, you're going to say, no, it hasn't. At the very least, you're going to say, it doesn't matter. This is my foundational truth. I'm, I'm judging science based on Scripture. If that sounds backwards, folks, that's the truth. We're judging science based on Scripture. Well, how can you say that? Who created everything? Who wrote the natural laws? Who wrote and, and decided what, what the physical processes of this universe were going to be and how they were going to operate? God did. So if I'm studying science, that's just, for me, that's just studying how God made everything. How God designed this place. So yes, my knowledge of Scripture, I'm going to use that in my science. I'm judging science based on Scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is a good place to put this. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4 says this, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? When I approach creation with a proper worldview, with a good understanding of who Jesus is, a good understanding of Scripture, 
When I approach creation that way, I arrive at right conclusions. When I approach creation from a, another worldview, a false worldview, I'm going to get false conclusions. Same universe, same stars, same data, different conclusion. Why? Because of my worldview. Because of how I interpret reality. Because of what I'm filtering everything through. It's got to be filtered through the right worldview. And that's what I'm trying to get across. We're not arguing doctrine anymore. We're arguing worldviews. Which one is superior? Which one is right? Ours is right. The Bible is right. And we can demonstrate that to people. Or at the very least, we can demonstrate that it is the most consistent worldview. It's the only worldview that adequately explains everything. In all of reality, it explains everything. And there's no contradictions. There's no fudging the data. It just fits. Almost as if the God that wrote the Bible also created the universe. It's amazing that way. What a coincidence. I love that. So, there's two sources of revelation. General revelation, the universe, all of creation, and specific revelation, the Bible, Scripture. Why did God make the universe so big? Because He can? True, He can. He could have made it smaller. He could have made it bigger. He can do whatever He wants. He could also wipe everyone out and start over. But He doesn't do that either. He made the universe so big because God was trying to show us something about Himself. He uses creation to reveal His nature to us. His characteristics. We see all of this. We know about all of this. And so we can use what we do know to move to what we don't know. The God that created all of it. There are things that we can learn about God by observing and studying His creation. The psalmist said, When I consider thy heavens. Now between the two, I would weigh Scripture or specific revelation as being more important than creation in my studies. But I believe that both were given by God for a reason. And we can and should avail ourselves of both. Now I'm not saying you need to go get your Ph.D. in botany or, or, or astrophysics or whatever it is to be able to study creation. I'm not saying that at all. You could just walk out, walk out in the field on a, on a clear summer's night and just look and muse and ponder at the greatness of God. Young parents, their first child is born. That's an amazing, heady experience. That's a miracle. Watching a flower open. Watching my cut heal over time. That's amazing. How does that work? Why does that work? Because God made it that way. I like more specific answers. So I, I dig into that stuff. But that's just me. You don't have to do that. 
as long as it leads to a, a closer relationship, as long as it leads to a, a better understanding of who God is. That's why He made all of this. Amen. Alright, Colossians 2, chapter 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Well, there you go. We can't do philosophy. The Bible tells us to stay away from philosophy. Is that what it says? He's exhorting... It's an exhortation to leave off worldly philosophies and to base our knowledge, our philosophy, our worldview, however you want to call it, in Jesus Christ, in the Word of God. Not after the traditions of men, but after Christ. That's where our philosophies are based. Now, I'm not talking about Greek philosophy. I'm talking about the literal meaning of the word. It's got to be based in Jesus Christ. It's got to be based in Scripture. Alright, the Apostle Paul. Getting more specific into our teaching here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4, says something that's going to sound contradictory. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Okay, so right there, we don't need to know any of this stuff. We just need to let God do what He does. And I am... Almost with you there. I'm really close. <clears throat> we also find, let's say, Acts 17 and 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Acts 18 and 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Acts 18 19. He came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Acts 24 and 25. And he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Paul reasoned and persuaded the Jews from the basis of their worldview, which was the Word of God. That's what he did. That was his method, his strategy, his tactic, however you want to say it. He reasoned, he persuaded out of Scripture with the Jews. But if we look at Acts chapter 17, he used an entirely different method with the Greeks. He didn't reason out of the Scriptures with the heathen Grecians. He argued from their worldview. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he did. He started from where they were at, what they believed, and led from there to truth. Our responsibility in getting the information that, that I'm, I'm trying to present, I am, pre I am pre 
presenting. Maybe not the best way. I'm going to work on that. But this information is important because we're not preaching to Jews anymore. We're preaching to Greeks. And so arguing from the Scriptures is not the best method to do this. At least not initially. We need to argue from their worldview. And that's what's going to be effective. Demonstrating to them two things. One, their worldview is contradictory and or inferior to this worldview. Two, demonstrating that our worldview is the correct and proper interpretation of reality. I know that sounds way out there. Don't let those words scare you. What that means is we're going to prove that Jesus is right and they're wrong. That's what we're going to demonstrate. In meekness and in fear. But we're going to demonstrate that. One guy that I listen to says this. You know, most people don't even consider their heart or their lungs or their kidneys until they go wrong. Until they start malfunctioning. Now all of a sudden I know about them. And I'd rather not. <clears throat> he said that everyone has a world view. But most people aren't aware of it until it goes wrong. Until it goes faulty. And our responsibility is to give them a philosophical gallstone. That's what we're supposed to do. Show them that that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. This one does. It always does. So, that's what we're learning to do. Hebrews 5 and 11 says this. I'll read it in the NIV. I've read this. I think I used this last time. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. The material isn't difficult because you can't understand. We can understand everything we want to. There are people that I've known that... In any other topic, they're very happy to be utterly ignorant. But when it comes to football stats, they can predict plays, they can call everything, they know every single... Not looking at Bob. <laughs> they know every single player of every single team. They got all that memorized. And they can rattle it off just like that. But you ask them to memorize Acts 2.38. Oh, I'm not good at memorizing. I'm just, uh, that, that's, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a question of ability. I think it's a question of motivation. Material isn't difficult, not just this, but any material. It's not difficult because we can't understand. It's because we won't understand. We don't want to. We don't want to put in the time. We don't want to put in the effort to do it. 
So why can I stand up here and say that we are able to understand? First point is, you're created in the image and likeness of God. Please don't tell me that God creates garbage. Don't, don't do it. Because you will frustrate me. God does not create junk. Even in those instances where it seems like someone is, is, is severely below or behind the curve, whatever stat you want to you wanna list off, that's not God, folks. That's a fallen world. And God still loves them just like He loves you. And He can use them more powerfully than He can use me if they'll apply themselves. I don't care what, what quote-unquote handicap someone thinks they have. God can heal them or God can work around it. I'm not going to limit God in any way. God can work through anything, through anyone that will give themselves over to Him. God doesn't make knowledge available and then close it off from specific individuals. That's not the God I serve. I'm going to reveal this to my favorite person over here and keep it from everyone else. That almost sounds like Gnosticism. God doesn't do that. He makes His wisdom, His knowledge available to whoever will apply themselves to learn it. Period. When we look at the Scripture text, we read Solomon's request of God. He wanted an understanding heart to judge righteously. That's what he wanted. God's response was that He was very pleased with that request. Not only... Did he answer it in heaps and in droves? But he answered everything else too. Now, I have no Bible for this. This is just speculation, but I don't think he chose those other things at random. Long life, riches, victory over his enemies. I personally think Solomon was kind of toying with all of those as well. But settled on wisdom. That's why God said, I'm going to give you all those as well. Maybe, maybe not. In any case, he asked for wisdom. He asked for understanding. Folks, if you're having trouble understanding something, a topic, don't just kick it to the curb. Well, I'm never going to get this. I'll leave that for someone smarter than me. I don't know why I use a southern accent when I do that. Because there's, there's northerners that are just the same way. <laughs> I wonder if southerners do northerners when they do that. <laughs> they should. It's only fair. Anyway. If you don't understand something, if I don't understand something, I go to God in prayer. I ask for wisdom. I ask for understanding. 
And He'll give it us. He delights in giving us that. That's a very awesome request in the sight of God for wisdom, for understanding. James 1 and 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. What I'm understanding from this verse is that if I'll ask God for wisdom, He's very generous with it. He'll start loading me up. Don't we want to understand? Don't we want God's understanding, God's wisdom? Now, here's some reasons why we should desire to understand. Because that's what this really boils down to. I'll do everything I want to do. Our children, your children who are still in school, your grandchildren, are learning every day they go to school reasons why the Bible cannot be trusted. They're learning these things. And I promise you, folks, the world has a pretty effective apologetic going on. They do. If you dig below the surface at all, it completely falls apart. But there's a pretty hard crust on the top. And it looks really good. They're learning every day why you can't trust the Bible. Science has proved the Bible false. I read a study, this was, this was some time ago now, this was done in the late 90s. And I don't remember the specific percentile, but it was well over 90%. 90% of children growing up in evangelical churches will leave once they get to college. And I thought, well, that makes sense. They're teaching all this stuff in college. But here's the kicker. About 75% of those made up their mind in junior high. That broke my heart. Why is that? There were several reasons cited, but by far the number one reason was evolution has proven the Bible false. Today, those children are in the workforce. They have families of their own. How are those families being raised? This is why we need to understand this. First Peter 3.15, again in the NASB, says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. The first thing we need to do is to make sure that Christ is Lord in our hearts. That's the first thing that we need to settle. And I've explained this in other messages, other sermons. If we don't have that settled, folks, stop right there and get it settled. 
Is Jesus Lord? Is He God? Is He the Creator of everything? Or isn't He? Because if He's not, we've got a whole lot of other issues to work out. If He is, we can move forward with truth. But there is no knowledge without the fear of the Lord. We've got to have that settled first. Proverbs 4, 5-9 through 9 says this, Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Folks, that sounds an awful lot like we're going to have to work for it. Get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. It's going to be work, folks. I talked about a garden last time. That's work. But it's worth it. The produce is very enjoyable, very tasty. Anything worthwhile is hard. Anything worthwhile requires sacrifice. Anything worthwhile is going to require us to dedicate some time and some effort to it. Period. I don't care what it is. If I want to go out and be a millionaire, I could try playing the lottery every day until my number comes up. Good luck. Or, I can follow a more tried and true method. I can put in some elbow grease. I can make some sacrifices. I can gather some money together and put it to work. If we're going to grow in God, if we're going to attain to where He wants us to be, folks, it's going to be work. The shift in our culture requires change. Change in the way we think about things. Change in the way we do things. The old days of door knocking, street evangelism, Rush Arbor, they were great back in the day. They were. They were effective. They're not today. And we can lament and we can moan and cry about all the reasons why that is. Maybe I'll shed a tear with you. But, the fact remains, this is where we're at. Whether you like it or not. Whether it's comfortable or not. This is where we're at. Most people before were fundamentally Christian, now they're fundamentally non-Christian. And even some who attend churches today are fundamentally non-Christian in their worldview. You can tell it by their stance on things. Yeah, I go to church and I'm pro-abortion. I go to church and I'm pro-homosexual. Glad to hear you're going to church. But where are you getting those positions from? Not the Bible. Not the one I'm studying out of anyway. 
Because of this shift in worldviews, this shift in our culture, we've got to be able to demonstrate two things. One, the error and contradictions of their worldview, the consistency and power of our worldview. We've got to be able to show both. Think of it, if you will, as continuing education. How many of you had continuing education at your workplace? I know my wife does. She loves it. She can't wait to just knock that stuff out. <laughs> when we came to the Lord, we needed to learn how to pray, how to worship, how to pay tithes and offerings, how to teach a Bible study. We didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that before I came to God. I hadn't done any of that before. We can learn how to minister to those who have different worldviews than ours. We can learn how to do that. And while at the same time allowing God to confirm His Word through us with signs following. I didn't forget about that verse. His speech and His preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We need that too. But I'm reminded of uh, what Abraham told Lazarus in that parable, if it was a parable. Well, then, let, it, let, him, let him come back from the dead and testify to my, my relatives. Surely they'll believe that, him. And Abraham's response was, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to them, they're not going to listen to one even though he raised them from the dead. Now there are some, and I believe that's what signs and wonders are for. To demonstrate to this world that God reigns supreme. That He has all power and all authority. He has power over sickness, disease, power over demons, power over life and death. The world needs to see that. And I, I believe that they're going to see that. They do in other areas. I believe that it's going to be commonplace, like it was in the first century church. Jesus' name. But there are some that are going to just get the healing and keep on living the way they live. I have to believe that there were people like that in Jesus' day. It says several times in Scripture, He healed all of them. He healed every one of them. He delivered every one of them. 100%. No one was left out. But, yeah, eventually they were all gone. So, I mean, they need to understand that. They need to see that. I believe that's what signs and wonders are for. That God will confirm His Word as we preach, as we witness, as we teach Bible studies. He's going to confirm that Word with signs following. But we can't we can't look to that alone to scare them or to awe them into salvation. What that's going to do is demonstrate, yeah, what I'm saying is actually true. They still have to make a decision. They still have a choice to make. If I can combine that with, well, you should make any other choice than what you're doing right now because... Yours just doesn't work. Yours can't explain A, B, and C. Yours can't explain anything. 
learning how to reason with people from their own worldview with the express purpose of leading them to truth, leading them to Jesus Christ. Amen. So moving forward, we are going to be challenged, church. We are going to be challenged to learn. Yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I do it all the time. I'm not ancient of days, but I'm older. I'm older. I'm getting older every day. <clears throat> you need to start accepting the fact that you're a child of God. Accept it. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. And you need to start walking in that knowledge. I'm serious, folks. You need to accept the fact that you're a child of God. Some of you haven't accepted that yet. You're a child of God. Start acting like it. Start walking like it's true. Because it is true. Get ready to stretch. Get ready to grow. We're going to keep moving forward with this. As the needs of our society change, our methods are going to need to change, and that means our understanding needs to continue to grow and improve. Living things grow, folks. Only the dead things stagnate and rot. Dead things stay right where they're at. Living things grow. We're a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is very much alive. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a wondrous Savior. And again, I heap glory and honor unto You. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that You have given us both the desire and the ability to serve You. Whatever it is You desire us to receive, Lord, we can receive that. I pray, O oh God, that You would put desire in our hearts, even for these things that we're not necessarily interested in, even with these topics that we're... We're not understanding them naturally. They're not just coming easy. Help us to do the work. Help all of us, myself included, to do the work, to put in the time to learn these things, to study and to grow and to become the person you want me to be. Hallelujah, Jesus. I will put in the work. I will put in the time to be the person you want me to be, to be effectual in your kingdom. We need to reach this, this generation. This generation is way different than the previous. I pray that You would help us, Lord Jesus, to do what we need to do so that You can do the things You want to do. Bless the people of God, I pray. Bless those within the sound of my voice. Minister to their every need. Bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. You are dismissed.